Well, we've been talking about heroes and talking about how they make a difference by advancing good and holding back evil and changing the course of things. And the reason that we're doing this series is to take a moment and be reminded that we all have the capacity to be heroes. We all have the capacity to do the heroic thing. And we've talked about that we can be a hero when we encourage someone. Uh, we can be a hero when we advocate on behalf of someone who cannot speak up for themselves. Uh, we can be a hero when we decide to be courageous and enduring with the purpose that God has spoken over our lives. And last week, we talked about how we can be a hero by being involved and invested in the life of a child. Today, I wanna talk about a superpower, uh, something that will change the course of things, something that will advance good and hold back evil and make a difference to the degree that few things can and few things will. Uh, the superpower that we're gonna talk about today, it requires no special talent. Uh, it, re it requires no special level of giftedness. There's no experience required. There's no need for special training. Uh, what we're gonna talk about today, it's something simple, uh, but not necessarily easy. It's profound, but not necessarily complicated. It's, it's mysterious, but it's straightforward. It's both a privilege and a responsibility. And the best thing of all, it can be done by anyone anywhere. And that's the hero that we're gonna talk about today. The hero is anyone, anywhere who prays. When it comes to prayer, prayer allows you and I to play the role of the hero. Prayer is actually doing the heroic thing. And when it comes to prayer, anyone, anywhere can do it. And here's the fact of the matter. If you wanna change the course of things, and I hope that you do, I would say to you, if you wanna change the course of things, pray. If you wanna hold back evil, pray. If you wanna advance good, pray. If you wanna make a difference, pray. It's not flashy, it's not sexy, it's not dramatic, but it is of paramount importance. If you've read the scriptures, you know that the scripture has much to say, hundreds of references to the importance of prayer. Prayer is one of the greatest things that you can do. Prayer is one of the greatest things that I can do. It's one of the best uses of our time. Max Licato said this, he said, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Ian e. Bounds, who wrote volumes about prayer, he said, prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them, outlive a generation, outlive an age, outlive a world. F.B. Myers, he said, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayers, that's what we think. We go back to the unanswered prayers, but he says the great tragedy of life are unoffered prayers. Woodrow Kroll, he said, fervent prayers or passionate prayers produce phenomenal results. And then last but not least, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Praying is the heroic thing to do. When you pray and I pray, it allows us to become a hero. Now, I want you to think about it as we dive into this idea of prayer. God created a world where our choices matter. God created a world where your choices matter, my choices matter. What you decide to do or not do, they are of great consequence. It may not always feel like the consequences are great, but there are consequences to every choice that we make. And God created a world where there is such a thing as free choice. And in a world that's governed by free choice to some degree, our choices have the capacity to change the course of things. 
And now I know some of you are thinking when it comes to prayer, I thought that God has a plan and God's got his purposes and you know, God, you know, he, he knows all things and he controls all things and he's working out all things for good. And, and if God is in control of everything that's happening, then why should we pray to begin with? Doesn't the Bible say in Isaiah 46 and 10 that God knows the end from the beginning? Well, yeah, it does. So why pray? Well, prayer is a mystery. And it seems as though when we read the scripture that God has weaved our, our prayers into his eternal plans that will ultimately accomplish his eternal purpose. And when we pray, we are participating in a mystery that we cannot possibly even understand. We can't understand the mystery of where God's providence and sovereignty, where it intersects with our free will and our ability to choose and change the course of things. We acknowledge that God has ordained the end and he has ordained the means to the end. And when we pray, some things that wouldn't happen, happen because we prayed. And then sometimes we pray for things to happen that don't ever happen. And there's never really a great explanation, but that's just acknowledging the nature of prayer. Continue to think about it for just a moment. If God weren't all powerful, there's no need to pray. If God wasn't all wise, it would be dangerous to pray. But since God is all powerful and God is all wise, we can have confidence when we pray that our prayers make a difference. And we don't have to understand how prayer works in its entirety. You don't have to understand how medicine works on a molecular level before you take it. You don't have to understand how combustion works in the motor that runs your car or your truck before you start it up and drive it down the road. And prayer is much the same way. We don't have to understand every aspect of prayer in order to pray. We just know that we're called to pray. We're invited to pray because prayer makes a difference. Scripture tells us this over and over again. We're told that prayer places us in a posture of faith. This is one of the benefits of prayer. This is one of the reasons why we should pray. Prayer places us in a posture of faith. You can jot down Hebrews eleven six that says, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who diligently or fervently seek him. And that's where prayer begins. Prayer begins with the belief that God exists because why would you pray if you don't believe that God exists? So prayer begins with the belief that God exists and a belief that the God who exists hears me, cares for me, and is involved in the affairs of men. And in particular, he's involved in the details of my life. And every time you pray, and every time I pray and speak to God, it puts me in a posture of faith. That's why we should pray, because it automatically places us in a position where we have faith, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Another reason we should pray, according to the scripture, prayer calms our anxiety, Philippians 4, verses four through seven. And in the latter part of those verses, Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. Think about everything there is to be anxious about in the days that we're living in. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, whether it's personal, whether it's in your community, it's your family, it's national, it's global, in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will then begin to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here, here's the power of prayer. When you pray and I pray, it begins to remind me the obvious that sometimes we forget. We are not in control. We can't control outcomes. Uh, I'm sure you've already noticed, but we just don't like to think of it because when we think about the fact that we are not in control, it gives us a little anxiety. But we can't control people. 
We can't control situations. We can't control circumstances. We can't control the economy. We can't control politicians. We can't control the government. We can't control a virus. We can't control any of that stuff. We aren't in control, but prayer reminds us that even though we're not in control, God is in control. And in light of uncontrollable outcomes, I must choose and you must choose to, ch to choose to trust in the unconditional love of God and the unlimited power of God. Because in the absence of control, our only two options are to be fearful or to be faithful. When we're fearful and fretful, it leads to anxiety. When we are faithful, it leads to trust and trust leads, as Paul would say in Philippians 4, it leads to peace of mind and peace of heart. The more we try to control things, the more our anxiety levels go up. The more we relinquish the control that we never had and the more we acknowledge that the God of heaven, our heavenly father, he's the one on the throne, he's the one that's in control, our anxiety levels begin to go down. So why wouldn't we pray? Another thing that the scripture tells us about prayer is that prayer changes our perspective. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2, Paul wrote to a group of Christians and said, set your mind, fix your mind, focus your mind on things above, not on things down here on the earth. In other words, spend some time thinking about God, focusing on God, praying to God so that your perspective is changed. Because when you have a change of perspective, it changes the way that you think. And when you change the way that you think, it changes the way that you feel. Your perspective begins to shape how you see people and circumstances, how you see the events that are going on around you. You, you begin to see things from God's perspective, just not your and my limited perspective. And when we change our perspective, that's really the first step in changing ourself. And, and Paul says, there's no greater opportunity to change our perspective than to pray. When we get in God's presence and we just talk to God, we begin to look at everything going on around us with fresh eyes. We begin to hear everything going on around us with fresh ears. And I think that's really important in the days that we're living. When you turn on the news, I think we need a perspective that's not of this world. When we see everything that's happening and everything that you know, the news tells us that's wrong and bad and broken and falling apart with the world and how it's all coming unhinged and it's all going to hell in a handbasket, it's in that moment that we need a perspective that we can't have just alone. We need a perspective that comes from fixing our focus, fixing our mind, fixing our thoughts on our heavenly Father. Another reason we should pray is prayer inspires gratitude. Uh, Paul said in Colossians 4 verse 2 that we should continue in prayer being thankful. Uh, because when I take a moment and I sit down or, you know, I kneel down or I'm driving down the road and I take a moment and I express my gratitude to God and I thank him for my family and I thank him for my wife and my children and my friends and my church and for all the things that he's provided me with in my life, it staves off bitterness. It staves off anger. It staves off resentfulness and discontentment. Gratitude is one of the most powerful things that you can leverage in your life. And prayer, prayer inspires gratitude. Uh, prayer calls us to be grateful, that we thank God for his goodness and his faithfulness and his provision in our life. And all of a sudden, it invites joy in and it invites peace in and it invites contentment in. Why wouldn't we pray? If these are the results of prayer, if these things happen as a consequence of us choosing to pray, why wouldn't we 
pray. Another verse of scripture says that prayer results in peace of mind. Uh, if your mind is like mine, your thoughts, uh, they run you know, a thousand miles a moment and they're going in different directions and there's competing thoughts and your thoughts are at war with each other and you're thinking things that you shouldn't think and thoughts that are working against you and thoughts that you know, raise up anxiety and fear and fret and all of that. And Isaiah 26.3 says that God has promised to keep our minds at perfect peace when our minds are fixed on God. So the more that we're thinking about God and the more that we are looking to him and concentrating on him, he calms our thoughts. He, he calms our thoughts. He allows us to be able to think things that Paul would talk about being noble and praiseworthy and good. That's what we need because oftentimes it's a hard thing for us to be focused on the things that are good and noble and right and praiseworthy. Sometimes our minds want to fixate on the things that create the negative within us, that put us at war within ourselves, that robs our soul of rest. And the scripture says, hey, pray and you'll have peace of mind. And another thing that we find in the scripture is this, that prayer aligns us with God's will. Psalms 143 verse 10. The psalmist said, God, teach me to live according to your will. So when I pray, I'm reminded that God is, that God is good, and that God has a good plan for my life. And when I pray, I'm reminded that his plan is better than my plan for my life. And prayer will keep us sensitive to this idea, to this confidence that God does have a plan. And I wanna be sensitive to that. I wanna be open to that. I wanna keep my eyes peeled for God's open doors of opportunity that he may surprise me with at any given moment. It brings new excitement and new vigor and new passion to life to wake up every day to see what does God have for me today? So God, you know, I want you to teach me to live today according to your will and you go and you go to work and you go out in the community and you're just watching for God to maybe open up a door of opportunity that allows you to accomplish, to make a difference, to change the course of things. And so you watch and you listen with brand new perspective, brand new ears, brand new eyes with a sense of expectation in your heart because you know that God has a plan for your life and you don't wanna miss it. And so you bring that to God in prayer. This, this brings a brand new level of abundant life that Jesus promised us all. Another thing that should inspire us to pray is this, that prayer moves us towards forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, inevitably, when we pray, uh, we're often uh, thinking about where we failed God. And so, you know, we confess our sins to God, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But as we ask God to forgive us, we're also reminded that we are to forgive those who have offended us, who have disappointed us or betrayed us. And so we pray for them. And we pray that we will give the grace and forgiveness to them that God has given to us. Because here's the thing, nothing will change the way that we feel about someone faster than praying for them. I dare you to try it. Think about the people, think about the group, think about the politician, think about, you know, whoever it is that just drives you to the edge of banana land. Just think about the person who just upsets you and ticks you off and, and think about that person or a group of people and just commit yourself to begin to pray for them, to pray for God to be gracious and kind and patient, for God to bless them and to open up doors of good for them and watch how God begins to change your heart towards that person or those people. Watch how that emotional reaction, that emotional reaction that you typically have when you think about that person or see that person or hear somebody talk about that person, watch how that emotional reaction gets reset. It gets recalibrated. Pray for those that you have a problem with and watch God change your heart concerning them. 
Because when God shows his willingness to forgive you and to be gracious to you and be kind to you, how can you withhold that from someone else? So when we pray, it makes us take a step towards forgiveness and reconciliation with the people in our lives. Another thing Jesus taught is this, that prayer keeps followers of Jesus following Jesus. Uh, Sometimes followers of Jesus want to stop following Jesus. Sometimes followers of Jesus get tired, and sometimes followers of Jesus get angry, and sometimes followers of Jesus become bitter, and sometimes followers of Jesus, they just want to give up and give in. Jesus knew that. So in Luke 18, 1, he said, you should pray so that you don't faint. You should pray, Trevor, so that you don't give in. You should pray, Trevor, so you don't give up, so you, you don't faint in your heart. You don't lose heart. You don't lose passion. You don't, you know, throw in the towel and walk away. Jesus said that praying will keep us from quitting because we will think about quitting. We will want to quit. So Jesus said, pray so that you won't quit when you want to quit. Why wouldn't we pray? Jesus also taught that prayer yields spiritual power. Matthew 17, 21, he looked at his disciples one day and he said, hey, this kind, referring to demonic powers and possession, he said, this kind only comes forth by prayer and fasting that there appears to be spiritual power that's made available to us that otherwise we wouldn't have without prayer. So if we receive spiritual power through prayer, if we have a heightened awareness of our spiritual power when we pray, why wouldn't we pray? Because so few of those who claim to follow Jesus actually spends any significant time in prayer. Study after study, stat after stat reflects this. Jesus also taught another thing about prayer. He said prayer strengthens us against temptation. Now, for all of you that are watching who have temptation in your life, that's all of you. That's me. That's those of us that are here in this room. Every single one of us, we have temptation. Jesus, he took his disciples one night to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? uh, As he's getting ready to be betrayed by Judas, he's gonna be arrested. And in a few hours after that, he's gonna be put to death. He takes Peter, James, and John into the garden and he looks at them and he says, okay, guys, I want you to watch and pray with me. I want you to pray with me for an hour. And, and you know, Jesus was, he, he was very stressed. He, he was full of anxiety because the cross, you know, was right there in front of him. He knew what was about to happen. And he asks his best friends on earth to pray. And what did they do? They fell asleep. And he comes back and he says, guys, could you not pray with me for just one hour? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then in Matthew 26 at verse 41, he says, pray that you enter not into temptation. Insinuating, inferring that as we pray, we will be strengthened against the things that tempt us. And so when we pray, we talk to God about those temptations. We're honest with God about them. He he already knows about them. And so we just bring it out and we say, God, you, you know where I'm tempted. You know where I struggle. You know where I'm pulled in this direction. You know my mind where I struggle to keep my thoughts the way my thoughts need to go. So God, help me. And Jesus says something happens when we pray where we are strengthened to resist temptation. We're able to say no. We're able to walk away from the things that we shouldn't embrace and walk towards the thing that we should embrace. One day Jesus was praying because Jesus, he he was a great example of prayer. Jesus often prayed alone. He prayed with people. He prayed for people. But one day after Jesus was praying, his disciples were eavesdropping on his prayer. And something about the way that Jesus prayed was so captivating and so compelling that his disciples wanted to pray that way. And so after Jesus got through praying, they came up to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because evidently, we don't pray like you pray. We, we, 
our prayers, they don't sound like that. They, uh, there's something about your prayers that are different from our prayers. So Jesus, teach us to pray. We wanna pray, we wanna know how to pray. Obviously, we don't really know how to pray because we feel like we're struggling through it. We're kind of frustrated with it and we'll start and stop, start and stop and we'll commit to pray, but then you know, we, we make it two days and then we stop and we walk away and we give it up and we're like, I, I don't have the gift, I don't have the talent, I don't know enough. And, and I'm sure all of us have felt like that from time to time and Jesus, he actually takes time to teach them to pray and that's where I, I want to land in the scriptures with you today as we wrap this up. Jesus said, listen, with all that the scriptures have in mind about the benefits of prayer, the advantages of prayer, how prayer will benefit you, not even to think about how prayer will benefit other people, how prayer can change the course of things and make a difference. He says, with all that in mind, once you're inspired to want to pray, because I'm hopeful that after we've looked at some of these passages where we want to pray, we're inspired to pray, we're motivated to pray, and Jesus said, okay, let me teach you to pray. And this is what he says. He says, and when you pray, because I love this, Jesus assumed we would pray. He, he didn't hope we would. He, he, he didn't ask us to or to consider it. He says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Other, in other words, you know, people look at them and say, oh, wow, what a prayer, what a prayer. Oh. Look at them, look how spiritual. He says, that, that's as much reward as what they're gonna get. He says, you're not like that. When you pray, pray with the right motives. Uh, you're not in it to be heard. You're not in it to brag about it. You know, you're not using God as a means to your end. You, you don't see God as your own personal puppet on a string. You don't see prayer as something magical to get God to do what you want him to do. You can't force God's hand by praying. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who try to do all of that. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, go into your closet, go into your secret place, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. One translation says will reward you openly. What is done in secret, the prayers you pray in secret will be rewarded openly. Now think about this for just a moment. If we really believe this, that the creator of the cosmos, the one who designed the universe, the, his, his very name upholds it. His own power upholds the existence of the universe at this very moment. And that God, that creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, that he hears our prayers, that he's available to us, that he's willing to listen to us, pay attention to us, and then he has promised to reward us in some way, a reward that may not be what we expected or what we wanted, but he hears us. If we really believe that, that the God of all heaven and earth, the one who controls all, knows all, and loves us perfectly, if we really believe that, if I really believe that, why are we not more passionate about praying? Why am I not more passionate about praying? I'm just not talking to you, I'm talking to me. Why don't we think about prayer maybe in the way that we should think about prayer instead of a burden or an obligation that this, this is an opportunity, this is a privilege. He goes on, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. I've heard so many people over the years say, well, I just, I'm just not good at praying. I'm just not good with words. 
Jesus said, listen, prayer is not about the words and how you formulate them and how eloquent it is. Jesus said, it's not about how many scriptures you can quote when you pray. It's not how many you know, spiritual references that you can make when you pray. Jesus said, it's not about that. It's not about babbling. It's not about many words. He says, it's not about that. So you don't have to fake, you don't have to perform. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is not a speech. You're not, you're not doing this to be heard by anybody else. You're not doing this to be applauded by anybody else. You believe that the God of all the universe, that he is directly tuned in to you. And the only thing that we care about is talking to him in that moment. He says, do not be like them for your father knows. He knows, he's acquainted with what you need before you ask. So Jesus is saying this, we don't pray to impress God. We don't pray to inform God, but we pray to invite God into the details of our life. And let me just ask us all a question. Why would we not want to invite God into the details of our life? Why would we not want to invite God into what's happening in our family? Why wouldn't we want to involve, invite God in what's happening in our church, in our community, our nation, our world? Why wouldn't we do that? Prayer's not about impressing God, it's not about informing God, it's about inviting God in. God has ordained the means and the end. God has established prayer as the mechanism through which he often moves and works in this world. Jesus goes on and he says, this then is how you should pray. And so he teaches us how to pray. You've heard this before. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus said, okay, if you wanna know how to pray, let me give you a model. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really best called the model prayer, an outline of how to pray, something that can get you started. I, I did this outline uh, a few years ago and it served me well and I've given it to you before and I wanna give it to you again. Uh, someone uh, taught me how to pray once upon a time and I'm still learning to pray and I'm still trying to make fresh my prayer time and my prayer experience with God. But, but let me give you an outline. Let me give you five things that you can jot down. We'll, we'll release this on social media. Uh, the notes are there on the app, the notes are there on the website. But when you pray, this is what Jesus is saying. Start by declaring God's greatness. Heavenly Father, thank you for sitting on the throne, being in control. Control of the cosmos, control on the earth, control in my life. God, you are in control and I hallowed, I hallow your name. I, I, I worship you, I praise you, I honor you. Your name is love and your name is mercy and your name is righteousness and it is holiness and it is faithfulness. And I trust you. And you just begin by declaring God's greatness. Then you surrender to God's authority. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God, it's, I don't wanna sit upon the throne of my, of my own life. I don't wanna be the king over my own kingdom. God, sit upon the throne. I am in your kingdom. This is not about my kingdom. This is about your kingdom. This is about your priorities and your values and your will be done, not mine. But, but God, your will be done. So God, teach me to live according to your will. Show me the path that you want me to go. I acknowledge you and trust that you will direct my path. 
Trusting God's provision. God, give me today my daily bread. And even though I've got food in the pantry and I've got food in the cabinet, and even though there's milk in the refrigerator and there's, there's days worth, maybe even weeks worth of food in my house right now, God, I, I just want to acknowledge that none of that would be there without you. You have given me daily bread and I continue to ask because I continue to be dependent upon you, God. If you don't breathe out, I can't breathe in. It, it is you that's given me the power to do what I do and to get up and to have the health. God, give me today my daily bread. Then rest in God's grace. God, forgive me because I've messed up. And God, help me to forgive those who have let me down. I'm just gonna rest in your grace. And as I rest in your grace, I'm gonna be gracious with those who come in contact with me and intersect with my life. And then invite God's leadership. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. God, you know, my, you know my weak spots and you know those things that begin to pull me into where I know I don't need to go. So God, just lead me, help me to keep my eyes on you and, and just gently just nudge me when you see me going in that direction. Just give me a, a roadblock. God, just slam a door in my face when you see me drifting in a direction I don't need to go. Jesus said, that's where prayer begins. It's not a magic formula. You, you could even make up your own. It's just a conversation. But Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray. That's, that's how you begin to learn how to pray. So something for all of us, a practical step. If you're gonna pray, it's been my experience. You need to have a time, you need to have a place, you need to have a plan. Have a time for you, it may be the morning, it may be the afternoon, it may be late at night, but have a time and just go ahead and designate that time as your time to talk to God. Just don't do it when it's convenient because it won't be convenient. Just don't do it when you have an opportunity because you may not have an opportunity. Have a time and make that time your time. Leave the phone behind, don't turn the television on, experiment with what works for you. Maybe it's at home, maybe it's in the car, maybe it's over the lunch break, have a time. Have a place, wherever that's at. Maybe it's at home in the living room. Maybe it's out on the deck this time of the year. Have a place and say, you know what? At this time, at this place, whenever I can, I'm gonna go there at that time and I'm gonna meet with God and have a plan. Take a Bible, read a chapter of Proverbs a day, read a chapter of the Gospel of John, read a Psalm, read a devotional guide, and then just begin to talk to God. And it may be awkward and it may, it may feel a little strenuous and the words may not come like you want them to or think they should, but just let all of that go. You're there to talk to God. You're there to talk to your heavenly father. You know how to talk to people. You do it all the time and you just, you just open up and you talk to God. You declare his greatness. You surrender to his authority. You do all of those things that Jesus taught us to do. Now, to help you out for the next 21 days, we've got a devotion that we're releasing on the Creek Church app called Teach Us to Pray. And you can download the app if you don't have it already, but you can go there under articles and podcasts and you can find every single day something that will help you jumpstart maybe a new commitment to pray. And that's what I wanna invite you to do. That's, that's the invitation. That's the next step is to have a time, have a place, have a plan and let us help you for the next 21 days. After Jesus taught his disciples to pray, this is, this is what he said. He says, ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So why don't we ask him? Let's begin to ask him. Heroes pray big prayers because they believe in a big God. So what are you gonna start praying for? What are we gonna start asking God for? What are we gonna ask God to do, invite God to do? How will the world be different because we decided to take prayer seriously? How will you be different and I be different because we decided to take prayer seriously? How will our family, our children, our marriage, our church, our community, our nation, our world be different because we decided to pray? What will God do in the life of our leaders because we decided to take it seriously and we started praying for them? And what if we just decided to stand with great men and women of faith like Moses and Elijah and Abraham and Hannah and Mary and the likes who became heroes because they prayed. Heavenly Father, Give us a new sense of motivation, a new sense of being inspired to spend time with you, to have a place where we meet you, to have a plan for spending time with you, to open up and just talk to you and to take time to listen to whatever it is that you may speak into our hearts and minds. God, I pray for the next 21 days that we'll commit to walking through this teach us to pray devotion that we will take it seriously, that we will allow it to be a jump start, that it'll be the diving board to where we jump into maybe a new journey, a new chapter in our relationship with you. Help us not to get weary in well-doing and help us not to get frustrated with prayer and feel like it's an obligation or a burden, but just let us see it as the opportunity and the privilege that it is to do the heroic thing and to be a hero, something that anyone anywhere can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, I could not be more thrilled that you decided to be with us today here on the Creek Church Online and maybe a bit more grateful today than even in past weeks because I believe that prayer changes things. I believe that prayer has the capacity to change you, to change our families, to change our world. And I really wanna encourage, I, I wanna ask you to develop a time, develop a place and develop a plan in order to meet God. And I wanna encourage you to spend the next 21 days with us. Go to your app store, download the Creek Church app and go to articles and podcasts and spend the next 21 days as we ask our heavenly father, as we ask our savior to teach us how to pray. And then let's trust that God will take those prayers and he'll change the course of things and that our prayers will indeed make a difference. For those of you that are watching and you call the Creek Church your church, thanks so much. I wanna give you one last opportunity to give while we're together. You can follow the directions that are there on the screen and know with confidence your generosity changes lives. The camera that's filming me now, this room, the lights, the sound, everything that we're using today to bring you and to bring thousands of others the message of Jesus, it's because of the generosity of people just like you. So when you give, 
you can be confident that generosity has changed lives and in this very moment, it is changing lives. Again, thanks so much for being with us today and I look forward to seeing you back next week for the Creek Church Online. Have a great day.